This is the day that the Lord has made for us to rejoice and be glad in. You get the most out of your day if you use it appropriately. So, amen. So, when it's time to rejoice, rejoice. So, amen. So, speaking of which, uh, we're going to talk about the joy cure today. Amen. Amen. In healing, always remember the fruit of the Spirit are there to assist us in our health. There are certain things that are just healthy for us to wear on our countenance, uh, healthy for us to yield to, and joy is one of them. In fact, joy is a medicine in itself. Amen. <clears throat> and that has been proven in so many different areas, certainly, um, even in the natural realm, uh, uh, physicians will tell you that if people have a, a cheerful disposition, they call it the will to fight, the will to live, uh, if they can <clears throat> keep themselves in a good frame of mind, a good state of mental health, etc., their chances of recovery are so much better. Uh, there's um, documented evidence that laughter is a medicine. Amen. And so we can see that from the word. So I thought we would examine some of those things in the word just to validate that if you're you're concerned about your health, you need to put the concern aside and take up the cure. Amen. Just take the cure and let yourself go ahead and be healed. So, um, so, all right. Well, Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. Father, I thank you that you will always give us mercy. We'll find grace to help us in our time of need. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you so much. Amen. Uh, that, that you are loving and, uh, forgiving and giving God that you bless us. You have a covenant with us that ensures our health, ensures our salvation, ensures our well-being. So we thank you for that covenant assurance in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> and praise God. Amen. In Luke 5, and uh, I thought I'd start there <laughs> just because I squeeze it scripture in at the top of the page no other reason except it's sitting there so i thought maybe that'd be a good place for us to start you need to know that if you're not well jesus is looking for you amen he's looking for you so in luke uh, chapter 5 and verse so we'll do in in uh Follow me. Let me see where that is. He always had a multitude of people following him. Uh, Verse 27. After these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said to him, follow me. And he left all, rose up and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole do not need a physician, but they that are sick. Amen. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
So Jesus has a heart. There's a priority in his heart for those who are sick. And by sick, he really means people who have suffered the consequences of a sinful life. And so that may mean poor in spirit. That may mean sick in body. You know that when he went, when uh, God, when he was on the earth, the Bible says he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. So he's looking oppressed of the devil. So he's looking for the sick. He's looking for the oppressed. He's looking for the infirm. He's looking for the weak. He's not looking for people who think they have it all together. But he's looking for people who need him, who have a demonstrated need for him. And so the fact that a publican who is tax collector, these people were frowned upon because they were seen as traitors uh, to the Jewish people, et cetera, et cetera. Anytime you make money, you're a threat to somebody. And so, amen, <laughs> this is true. And so, uh, or handle money. And so, uh, this, they were frowned on, looked down upon by the Pharisees, the religious people of the day. And so Jesus was criticized for people keeping company with them. But Jesus, uh, told these people, the publicans, uh, not the publicans, but the Pharisees and Sadducees, it's like he's, he's saying, you don't really need me. You've got your own righteousness. When you start demonstrating a need for me, then I will keep company with you. But I'm here to minister to and serve anybody who needs me. And so when when uh, um, uh, Levi invited him into his home, that was showing him hospitality and showing Jesus, I have a need for you. I'm, I want you here in my life. And so that that desire to have Jesus close to us is all the open door that he needs to come in and fulfill whatever need that we have and so for in in this when you show hospitality that means that you want to friend somebody amen you want to to have a strong friendship with them uh, you want to open your home to them let them know that they're welcome and and i think that's as close as you could get during that day and time to being saved you invite jesus in and so whenever you see these people having him over and inviting him in following him that was the same as committing to him and making a covenant with him and so it was very important that uh, jesus receive that hospitality because it let people know he's no respecter of persons he'll come in to to any place that he's invited to amen into any heart and into any life. Amen. <clears throat> there were many people that sought Jesus out. So he's looking for the sick. He's looking for people who have a need. And Luke chapter 13, since we're in the book of Luke, we'll go right over there. And you'll see a demonstration of that. In 13 verse... It says, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bowed over and could in no wise lift herself. And when she saw Jesus, when Jesus saw her, not she saw him, 
when he saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So there was a longing in his heart to make sure that this woman was made whole. The ruler of the synagogue said in verse 14 with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. Now, he's telling, here's a man that's there having compassion on sick people and making them whole, giving them miracles. And the this this rule of the synagogue stops it. He wants to stop it. And he says, hey, wait a minute. Don't get no crowd started in here. This ain't no Jesus meeting. This is my place. And see, this is why oftentimes religion cannot mix with the spirit of God. Because the religion always wants to take over. Amen. So he tells them there are six days that you can come. He says in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath. And the Lord answered him and said you hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose your animals from a stall and take him to water him? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, now this is what he says, this woman ought to be healed. There's no reason why she shouldn't be healed. And I think that's a good thing to keep in mind for any of us, saved and unsaved, really, because through intercession, people who don't have a covenant with God, if they have faith to reach out and believe God, they can receive healing. Amen. None of these people were born again. Even the Jews weren't. That got healed. So there was nobody who was, who was really getting their healing through covenant. Most of them were getting it just through mercy. But we have a mercy covenant. Amen. So if, whether it be uh, through your, your covenant and your faith and trusting God and feasting on the word and, and deciding that you, you're going to feed, feed your, take the medicine of the word till your body's whole. Or uh, whether it's somebody who really doesn't have a covenant with God that just says, I want to be healed and I hear Jesus can do it kind of thing. Uh, he already was slain before the foundation of the earth. So the price has been paid. And whenever we receive from God, it's always mercy. Amen. It's because he looks past our sinful behavior and pities us and has mercy on us and wants to help us. And so we're all kind of summed up in the, in the same thing. But when he talks about this woman, he says she's a daughter of Abraham. She's got a covenant of divine health with God. She ought to be loosed. Whether it's the Sabbath or not, this woman ought to be well and not sick. Amen. And so it's, it, it then it's, it's kind of like on the Pharisees. Why didn't you do anything to help her? See what I'm saying? She's walking around in your synagogue. She's been like this 18 years. Why haven't you done anything to help her in all this time? Amen. And so we see where Jesus came in with great mercy. And this is one of the reasons the devil hated him is because the devil wants to cripple people up, wants to make them feel guilty if they're sick, 
makes makes them feel like there's nothing they can do to get well or to convince Jesus to heal them. And so if he can keep us in that mindset, he's very, very happy uh, that we're we're we've got a covenant that we somehow can't get it to work for us. Amen. He likes to keep it that way. And so here this woman was set free. She began to glorify God. And this is what brings joy to God's heart. Amen. It brings joy and gladness to him. In Proverbs 17, if you'll turn there. Proverbs 17 and verse 22, it says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A broken spirit dries the bones. You know, many people who are diagnosed with arthritis, arthritis happens when the fluid in the joints that connect your um uh, uh the joints that connect bones together like your shoulder really is two separate bones it's your your uh scapula that, that's your shoulder but it's also your uh um is this humorous which one's the humorous miss pat help me out yeah okay <laughs> connected so whenever two bones are connected together it's done by joints and the joints have to have a certain amount of fluid in them to move properly at some point, though, people, some people can get to the point where that fluid dries up. It's contained in a sack, and it causes these bones to articulate and move together like revolving on top of each other. When that dries out, amen, when that dries out, you get uh, the need for the joint replacement. You get arthritis. In the, so your bones can dry out, amen. And it says here, that uh, a merry heart does good like but a broken spirit dries the bones oftentimes people with those kinds of diseases have heartache and heartbreak that's really never been healed and so what is the cure for that it's joy amen the cure for all broken heartedness is joy amen joy will lubricate your joints amen It'll keep your bones articulating right. It'll keep your bones from drying up. Amen. You just need to have a good laugh at the devil. Say, oh, no, devil, I'm not, I'm not going there. You're not taking me down that road. Amen. If, if, if nothing else seems to be laughable in your life, laugh at him because he thinks he's got you. He thinks he can separate you from the love of God, but he can't do it. Amen. So then we take on joy and rejoicing amen now one of the ways to make sure joy stays in your life is not just to try and think of a joke or anything like that but joy is a fruit of the spirit amen so your 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 spiritual fruit resides in your spirit and so you can yield to the fruit of joy amen it's something you yield to. It's not something you conjure up. Amen. It's something that's in you already that you need to learn how to yield to. 
Amen. I think sometimes people, you know, different people have different, uh, I guess personality types or whatever, but this goes beyond your personality type. Amen. Everybody's a type who can laugh about something. I mean, you ought to be able to. Amen. And, and joy gives you the ability to recharge your spirit, to recharge your soul, to recharge your being. Amen. It gives you a power. It gives you, it puts you in a place of authority over the enemy's works. It's just a good helper, period. Amen. So joy is the helper of the rest of your soul. Amen. It helps your soul to come into a healthier place than it was when your countenance was not joyful. Amen. So brokenheartedness is something that can take us down to a place of dryness. Amen. But joy will bring our health back. Amen. It will bring our health back. Amen. Uh, Proverbs 15, 13. says, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. So if you got a, uh, if you have joy in your heart, it'll show on your face. Amen. It will. It, it will give you a cheerful countenance. Amen. It says, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. If you've got things that, that maybe didn't go right in your life, things that went wrong and, and they cause you sorrow. Amen. Uh, you have to learn how to turn that over to God. You know, just let that go and let God help you get back into a cheerful countenance. Amen. Uh, a broken sorrow of the heart is, is, uh, your spirit is broken. Amen. And, and so when you understand that God has a replacement for all the sorrow in your life, he has a gift for you that will wipe that away and put a different. It's it's not like a, a happy face, happy talk. This is something that's a healing. This comes from the healing of God. Amen. It comes from Calvary. And it's it's there for you. It's in you. But we've got to yield to it and let it manifest on us. You know how sometimes you just make up your mind you want to stay mad? You keep feeling like something is telling you to let it go. Uh, you keep sensing that this is, this is not the way I really feel this and you want to keep grabbing it and nursing it. Well, that's when you're resisting the fruit of the spirit from coming up and helping you. Amen. Because your mind just tells you, I'm just going to stay mad. I'm, you know, I'm now, now they didn't, this is the last straw right here, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, but we're doing, we're, we're uh, frustrating the grace of God and refusing the fruit of the spirit to come because the fruit of God is going to knock on your heart and say, Hey, let me in because I'm here to help you. Amen. Before you get really carried away, before you go and do something stupid again, I'm here knocking on the door of your heart, trying to get in so I can help you. Amen. Because a, a, a cheerful countenance that puts you in a better frame of mind, 
a cheerful countenance, a lot. Whenever you yield to any of the fruit of the Spirit, you're in closer contact with God than if you hold on to the hurt or the the brokenness or the offense or whatever it is. You're closer to God by yielding to the fruit of the Spirit than you are if you continue in because you feel like you got a right to feel the way you do. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's not about rights. It's about what's right for you, you know, and what's going to work for you and what God's will is for you. And God likes his children to abide in joy. Amen. Because that joy has been paid for. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, Proverbs 15, 15 tells us that a merry heart is a continual feast. Amen. It's a continual feast so it, it, it means that your heart feeds on says 15 all the days of the afflicted are evil but he that is of a merry heart has a continual feast so you draw from the goodness of god by keeping a joyful heart keeping joy in your presence keeping um yielding to the fruit of joy Yielding to the spirit of joy. Whenever you have an opportunity to do it, uh, yield to the, the fruit of joy that's within you. The other thing that you'll find God will do sometimes is he will put people in your life and in your midst who can provoke the joy out of you. Amen. You ever, you, you ever around people like that? Now I'm not talking about some people who have these perverted ideas about you know, picking at you and, you know, that's just wrong. You know, I'm not talking about uh, goofy people who like a lot of attention, you know, but I am talking about people who just when you're around them, they're healthier, spiritually speaking, and they can provoke the right fruit out of you, not emotion, but fruit. And they can help put you over into the appropriate fruit to keep you healthy to keep your countenance healthy, to keep you uh, from from going sour, from from taking life too seriously. Amen. Uh, you know, I, I, I would tell people sometimes, you know, in the ministry, I said, honey, you need to learn how to laugh at yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, in, in laugh with yourself, because some people take themselves too seriously and they don't know how to laugh. Like, you know, it, sometimes you'll think until you say, boy, here you go again. And you say, girl, you need to quit. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. You need to take yourself off the serious throne and maybe start laughing at yourself some. Amen. And And you can lighten up on yourself and everything's not a dire emergency. Everything's not, you know, you got to close up all the, the doors and lock everything down because, you know, something's about to leave the house or something. You know, you need to know how to lighten up on yourself. Amen. Because you're only here for a brief moment. The Bible says our life is like a vapor. Why would you spend it drying up at the bones? With a sad countenance all the time. You need to have a merry countenance. Amen. Keep your bones lubricated. Amen. Keep them, keep yourself a fat and flourishing as the word says. Well, not that kind of fat, but you know what I'm saying. With abundance in your heart. Amen. The flourishing in your heart is where, where you want to live. 
So a merry heart is a continual feast. You can draw from the joy that's in your heart all the time. And you can enjoy life because of the joy that's stored up in you. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a bunch of little funny stories inside of you. It doesn't have to be provoked by anything. It's just a, a cheerful countenance. Amen. A face that, that reflects God's power, his goodness, his overcoming power. Amen. Amen. So Jesus said in John 16, if you go there, I got a few more uh, Old Testament scriptures, but I thought I'd take you over to this one. In John 16. And verse. Start in verse 19. It says, now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him. And he said to them, do you inquire among yourselves of that? I said, in a little while, you shall not see me. And again, a little while, you shall see me. Truly, truly, I say unto you that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice and you shall be sorrow, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. And so, um, I was reading uh, Lillian Yeoman's uh, book. I think she was re- writing on the joy cure, praise cure. But she was saying that she was a physician uh, in the late 1800s. And she said that she had, uh, she delivered many babies. And she said, I always liked, I thought the best um, cure and the best medicine for the mothers was to bring their babies to them. She said that gave them more joy and more health than anything else. She says many hospitals are separating mothers from, you know, back in the day, they put the baby in the nursery and yada, yada, all that stuff. Now they brought them back again. So anybody who has, has had children maybe in the last 30 years noticed a trend to have a little family suite set up and the baby's there all the time, most of the time, and so forth and so on. And she said she didn't like the trend of them separating the babies from the mothers because she felt that keeping them with them was the best thing because it brought the mother so much joy. And so when when you think about it, he says when she's in travail is sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as the delivery comes, she doesn't remember the anguish anymore for the joy that the baby brings overtakes the sorrow of the labor. Amen. And so, and, and it's probably true because when you think about it, many times, now I noticed I worked in labor and delivery some when I was, you know, a nurse's training and so forth. And I noticed that was just when the trend to have these family suites and the baby with the mom started. And I noticed there was so much complaining in postpartum about the pain and the this and the that much more then than it is now. 
because, uh, you know, uh, there's many places where, you know, you can't notice your pain for taking care of your baby. You can't notice your pain for coddling the baby and for people coming in and wanting to look and see who it looks like. And you all know nosy ants coming in, lifting their glasses up and say, yeah, that's his baby. Yeah, that's his baby. You know, that kind of stuff. And, and so the, the focus of the baby and the mother together is completes what Jesus is talking about here, you know, and there's joy that comes with the birth of that child. He says, and you, and you now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice. And this joy, no man is able to take from you. So what Jesus is saying, I'm going to, uh, be killed and I'm going to give up my life for you, but I'm going to rise again from the dead. And when I rise from from the dead, I will put inside of you a joy that no man can take away. And so the joy that we have with the indwelling Holy Spirit is a joy that cannot be taken by anything that goes on in the world. I dare you to, I defy you to to refute that. Because that joy already promises you. See, your joy, the joy that we have inside of us is a fruit of the Spirit because it came at the price of Jesus' life. All the fruit of the Spirit that we have in us came at the highest price it could be paid, which means that it overcame death, which means that it overcame anything that opposed it. And when it dwells inside of you, the reason God put his spirit inside of you, so you could be an overcomer too. You're not supposed to succumb to bad news. Amen. The Bible says he, the, the man who trusts God, he will not be uh, moved by evil tidings. You won't be moved by bad news because your heart is fixed. You're trusting God. Amen. Your heart is not here, there, and everywhere. When you belong to God, your heart's fixed on him. And you trust him. Why? Because he's trustworthy. And he's given you a down payment of joy for your future success. So that joy inside of you says, you're going to make it. You're not going to be here all the time. You're going to overcome this. You're not. This is not going to take you down. This is not the final word on your situation. Other than that, you would have to live in in a place of of just walking through things and feeling everything. And Jesus said, uh-uh, I give you my joy. No man can take it from you because I paid for it. It's bigger. It, I, it, I paid the highest price for it. So it can't be bought out from under you. It's yours permanently. And you can tap into it anytime you want to. And begin to laugh at the enemy to count it all joy. Amen. Everything's, it's all joy. Amen. When you add up the sorrow, the tears, the poverty, the, the missed opportunities, the this wrong and that wrong, it's all joy. Amen. You can laugh at it all. Amen. Because it has no, no, no detrimental effect on you. Your life is not going to defeat you. Your life is not here to cause you pain. It's here to cause you joy, to bring you joy. So everything in your life is a place for rejoicing. Why? Because even if it's, if it's something that comes with a, uh, uh, sentence, you, you're gonna laugh anyway. 
Why sit there and, and be upset and discouraged by it? Have some joy. You know, while, while you're waiting on it to come to pass, be in joy. Amen. And, and no man can take that away from you because they didn't give it to you. Amen. It came at a much higher price than what man has to pay for anything. Amen. So the Bible tells us, go to Deuteronomy 28. He tells us how to serve God. And this is something people really need to learn. It it just, as Christians, we can be so circumstantial sometimes. You know, we, we want to get our, our enjoyment and our life out of the wrong situations, the wrong things. Deuteronomy 28. And verse, I think it's 47 here. Verse 45, moreover, these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you're destroyed because you didn't listen to the voice of the Lord your God and keep his commandments and his statutes, statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and for a wonder upon your seed forever because you did not serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness of heart. So God wants us to serve him with joyfulness and gladness of heart. That defeats the curse. The joy that he put inside of us defeats the curse. Amen. It establishes your victory over any problem that can come up, anything that come up. So serve the Lord with joy and gladness. And he says, because of the abundance of all things. So God's given us all things so that we can have joy and that our joy can be full. He, when Jesus said, ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you, he said, I do this so that your joy will be full. Amen. So if he were stingy about certain things or did say we couldn't have this or we couldn't have that, there would be something to be sorrowful about. But he's given us abundance of all things. Why? Because so he wants us to have fullness of joy. He doesn't want anything to be lacking in our lives anytime at all. So he tells us, serve him with joy and gladness, and it breaks the curse. It keeps the devil at bay. It keeps you away from, it keeps him away from your life. Amen. No man is able to take your joy. We said that. Amen. <clears throat> Those who know, know the joyful sound walk in the light of the, of God's countenance. That's Psalm 89, 15. The word joy really means a calm delight or a cheerfulness. Amen. So it's, it's, it's something that comes up from within us to keep us in a state of being of pure contentment, not depending upon circumstances. So whenever circumstances are rough, that's when you need to yield to the fruit of joy. You need to, and, and the way you can do it 
is to begin to praise God. Just rejoice and be thankful. Amen. It, it's, it's something that's in you to yield to, but if it's hard to yield to, you just begin to thank God. Just even if you have to do it silently in, inside of you and just find that place of thankfulness and rejoicing. God, I thank you. This isn't the first time I've been in difficulty. And it probably won't be the last, Lord, but you've always come through for me. Begin to rehearse within you the things that he's done for you. Begin to tell him over and over and over again how much you appreciate him. And that joy will start to well up and it will begin to give you that cheerful countenance. Amen. So it means to have a calm delight or a cheerfulness. It means to have a merry heart, a cheerful countenance. Uh, In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, I was saying to myself, I need to get my old Bible out with the tabs on it, man. I mean, seriously. Finally getting there, huh? Chapter 9 and verse 7. He says, Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, for God now accepts your works. So when you know that you live for God, you love God, you're blood-bought, you can have joy because he accepts your works. He's not rejecting you. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing you need to do to make God accept you or love you more. You can go your way with joyfulness because he accepts your works. Amen. Through his righteousness, you are accepted in the beloved. Amen. And Acts 13.52 talks about the disciples. Thank you, Lord. It says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. One of the hallmarks of being spirit-filled is that you have joy. When the Holy Spirit fills you, You don't pick and choose which fruit of the spirit you want. You get them all. Amen. And when you start to overflow in the Holy Spirit, you overflow in the gift of tongues. You begin to overflow and speak in another language that God gives you. There at the end of that, there is joy. Amen. There's always a deposit of joy that it's it's like joy is maybe like the capper of the fruit of the spirit because it's it's like when you pop the cork that's what comes out that's what what allows you uh that overcoming power and we know that the holy spirit empowers us to overcome all things amen so it says they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Ghost then begins to tap into that place in our hearts where joy resides, where he can start to uncork now uh, what God wants us to have. James 1, 2 tells us to count it all joy. When? When you fall into trouble. Amen? 
<laughs> when you fall into diverse temptations, amen, and, and because you know something, amen, you know something, and that is that the testing of your faith, here, let me get it so I can read it for you. Thank you, Lord. He's helping me tabs or no tabs. <laughs> James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations. Because you know this. There's something that you know. That the trying of your faith works patience. Let patience have her perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. So, Really, when you, when you get tested, you get tempted, you're in a trial. Like, don't we know? Amen. We've been through a lot of challenges re- recently. And God told us at the beginning of 2020 that it would be that way. So he gave us a knowing at the beginning of the trial. Amen. And he says that when you come out of this, you're not going to lack anything. In other words, the trial is not going to take away from you. You're not going to lose anything. You're going to gain something out of this. Amen. So you'll be whole and entire lacking nothing, which means that you're not going to be able to easily be deceived by the enemy, easily ensnared by him. Your eyes will become more open and sensitive to his tricks and his devices. You'll be more settled in your abilities before God and against the enemy. There's a maturing process that takes place during trial that you don't get any other way. See, this is life lessons that we go through as believers. You're not just reading a book and and, and taking a test like a piece of paper and passing it and getting a grade. This is for your life. Amen. This is the real deal. Amen. This is serious stuff, but not serious to the point where it's going to defeat you. God will not give us anything. He's not letting us go through any kind of trial that we won't pass ever. Amen. Ever. His point is not to overwhelm us and cause us discouragement and defeat, but it's to bring out of us what we've stored up. It's to put it all together. So we we know how to resist the enemy and how to put him down and put him under our feet again. Amen. And so the trial is for us to know what we've got. And if we lack anything, he supplies it to us. Amen. Because he says, if you lack wisdom, ask me and I'll give it to you. In other words, God, I've been praying about this health thing that uh, that I'm going through for the longest time. How do I get over into victory territory once and for all? You know, sometimes you just need to confront that stupid devil instead of confessing the word at it one more time or trying to hallelujah your way out of being concerned about it is needs it. God, how do I get over this? Now I just, I'm a lawyer up. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm missing it, if I'm on target, what the deal is, but I want to get over in victory territory. Amen. I just want to get over there. And so sometimes it's just good. Like he says, if you lack wisdom, amen, verse 5, ask of God. He gives you liberally. He will tell you exactly, and he won't upbraid you. So a lot of times we're running from God because we, you know what we'll do sometimes? We think we got the answer, and it's not working. 
And you may have the answer. But what's going to put it to work? It's this, asking. Amen. (laughs) Ask God. God, I want to know how to really make these symptoms leave once and for all. I want to get rid of the pills once and for all. And don't ask him what you're doing now. Just ask him, God, give me wisdom on how to do this. Amen. He says, ask him for wisdom and quit throwing scriptures at it. Amen. And quit paying halfway paying attention to your, your uh, teaching tapes or your faith tapes or your word tapes. Just go back and say, God, you know, show me. Give me wisdom. How do I do this? I want this done now. I'm, I'm tired of dealing with this. And, and it's, it's good, you know, because then you can start to serve the Lord in joy and in gladness and get the benefits of having that covenant with him. Amen. Um, in first Peter one eight. Verse 6 says, wherein you greatly rejoice that now for a season, if need be, you you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. In other words, you need to rejoice more. He says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, and whom though you now see him not, you're still believing and rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So, you know, people are praying for revival, praying for the glory to come down. Start rejoicing in God. You got your answer right here. Instead of being sad and whining and complaining and how are we going to get this revival on and we need to do this and we need to do that. No, you need to just go get in your word and, and obey God. He said joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. The joy of the Lord is full of the glory of God. Why? Because it's an overcoming spirit. The devil cannot stand. You start laughing and you start having a cheerful countenance everywhere you go. The devil will, it it like pricks him. He can't stand it. Amen. He really can't. Sometimes you'll have people, if if you laugh at certain things, well, I don't see what's so funny. See, it pricks the devil. I just can't stand that laugh of yours. Huh? Just saying, folks. Amen. Why? Because it's it's got God's joy. I don't care how irritating it sounds. I don't care how loud it is, how inappropriate it may seem to you. Amen. Check yourself. Because that person is probably surviving on joy. Sometimes that's all people have. You understand what I'm saying? Don't take that away from folks. My goodness, they're rejoicing in the Lord. They're not messing with you. You're bothered by it because of you in the wrong mood. Amen? (laughs) So always serve the Lord with joy and gladness. It will increase the fruit of your righteousness. When you can put joy in the mix, what that says to the devil is you're going to be hard to track down, you're going to be hard to stop, and you're going to be hard to to um to ensnare 
Amen. Because joy is, it's like, say like for instance, uh, the enemy is trying to shackle you with handcuffs. Well, joy puts a grease on your hands. Them handcuffs slip right off of you. Amen. It's the bomb. It's a healing bomb. It's an overcoming bomb. And so the enemy's not able to shackle you and hold you down with thoughts of whatever is going wrong or what, what could go wrong. Amen. He's, you have the joy of the Lord to slip out of every handcuff he tries to put on you. Amen. Amen. Because God has made it that way. That's your, that's your escape from the, the uh, negative fruit of the flesh, disappointment, discouragement, anger, you know, uh, depression, being upset about everything. So you have to serve the Lord with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Amen. John 16, 24, we talked about that. Jesus said, ask anything that your joy might be full. Why don't we go to that? John 16 and verse 24. In verse 23, he says, and in that day you shall ask me nothing. Truly, truly, I say to you, but whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you, no matter what it is. When you ask with, with Jesus' permission using his name, be having the assurance that he's promised it to you in the word, he says, hitherto you have asked nothing in my name, but ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. See, there's no there's no doubt about receiving what God has for you. We just need to ask. Sometimes we're a little short on asking and expecting. Amen. So if you're missing something or you lack something, check your asking. What did you talk to uh, with God about recently? Did you say something to him and ask him so that your joy might be full? Amen. You want to have the fullness of joy. You don't want anything missing. You know, not having joy is like having some cracks in your armor. You're not fully protected by the, from the attacks of the enemy. If you don't know how to keep uh, the joy and yielding to the joy of fruit of the spirit. Amen. So Jesus says, ask anything. I'll give it to you. Why? So you won't be disappointed. So your joy will be full. He doesn't want you to go through life without. And in disappointment, he wants you to go through life fulfilled. And he wants your joy to be full. Amen. Um, the In Romans 15, go there. Romans 15 and verse 13. He says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's a big blessing. He wants the God of hope. In other words, not discouragement, not it's over, not it won't happen, not it can't can't be for you but the god of hope 
Amen. Let him fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God wants us to always be in a mindset that better is coming. The answer is here. You've received it already. That's your hope. So when people are hopeless, they're joyless. And so when you allow the devil to pull you out of hope where you just don't think it's going to happen for you anymore, or you don't think that, that you can be happy in spite of certain things, or sometimes without certain things. You know, there are some people that, that are trying to believe for things that were never ordained for their life. You got me? And so that doesn't mean, though, that you're a hopeless person. That just means that God has a better hope for you. Amen. But don't let that pull you out of joy. Allow God to give you joy in the absence of certain things in your life. You got me? Or until you get to the point where you arrive, where those things come into your life, you need to have hope and you need to have joy. You need to have a continual feast in your life and not let Things, whether they're present or absent, uh, determine how you live and determine the quality of your life. When we talk about having joy, we talk about a high quality of life. So if joy is a medicine, joy can drive out every single negative spiritual force that would hold you into sickness, that will hold you into brokenheartedness, that will hold you into depression, that will hold you into discouragement. Joy can drive all of those. It's like your your house cleaner, you know, your vacuum. Joy just sucks up all the negative forces that come into your life. They can, oh, you think you're gonna get me because you got you think you got my money tied up, huh, devil? Oh no, I'm having joy. I'm laughing at you. I'm sucking that up out of my house right now, and I have cleaned house. Everything in here is the fruit of God's spirit and not that negative stuff. Because your joy isn't dependent upon your natural circumstances. It's a, you know, it's amazing. There are people that can have joy and, and they're missing so many things that we think are necessary. You know, people look at your life sometimes. I don't see how she make it. Now that it's all that. I don't see how they can say, well, I do. I'm living in a different place than you are. Amen. And if you're circumstantial, you're on shaky ground because if you think that your joy and your happiness are dependent upon the things that you have lined up all in a row, the devil will come in there anytime he wants to and scatter those things and take them out of commission for you. Amen. So, so your joy should not be circumstantial. Your joy has to be genuine. It has to be because you have a covenant with God. You have promises. You have things that he will do for you if you just believe him to do them. Amen. You know, there are people who live their lives complaining, unhappy. And if you try to bring some joy, they pretty much tell you off and cuss you out. Amen. Now, you you try to give somebody hope. You give them a scripture that tells them a better day is coming. Or tells them what God's going to do. Oh, you don't know. Yeah, uh, you don't know my situation. Well, honey, that's all I have to offer you. Bye. Huh? It ain't going to get no better than the word. 
Huh? You try to get somebody over into joy, and they think they've got the worst situation in the world. They bite your head off. Huh? Just send them a card, send them a text, praying for you. <laughs> I spoke with a woman when I, I met her, um, and she was angry at her husband. Ten years later, she's still angry at him. She divorced him, but she's still mad. I said, did the divorce really do you any good? You know, I'm one of them, I stick my head in the lion's mouth. I could care less. You know what I'm saying? But on the outside chance that people will hear you. And I said, well, what good did the divorce do? You're still angry at him? You're still upset with him? You still can't stand him? Still haven't forgiven him? Oh, I forgive, but I said, there's no but to forgive. Forgive is a command with a period behind it. From what I understand, there's no exceptions. See, what we want to do is say we're good Christians and say we're innocent and say we do everything right, but then keep a a little open door for us to be hateful and be mean. Amen. And, and be important. I just can't forget this. Yes, you can. You just don't want to. Amen. That's your little binky that you put in your mouth when you want to feel sorry for yourself. You just feed on all the negative things that have happened to you. Amen. You're redeemed from the curse of a negative life. (laughs) And you can get, you can operate in that redemption through yielding to the fruit of joy. Start laughing at the devil. He's trying to destroy your life. He's trying to take your children. He's trying to take everything you own. Start laughing at it. Oh, devil, no, no way. You're not stealing everything from me. I still got God. I still got joy. Amen. And I'm getting my property back too, whether you know it or not. I'm going to slide it right out from under you. Amen. When you least suspect it, devil, it's going to come marching right back into my front door. Amen. Everything I own. Because it don't belong to you. Amen. You got to return sevenfold to me everything you're stealing from me. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. <laughs> you can't have it. Try as you might, you cannot have it. I got a stronger pull on my stuff than you do. <laughs> Malachi 4.2 tells us the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Amen. So when, when the son of righteousness talks about God arising, the spirit of God arising within you. Amen. When you, you let him arise through worshiping him. Jesus, just rise up in me. I love you. I bless you and I praise you. I worship you, Lord. And as you worship him and as you praise him, you're healed. Amen. You just are. He has healing when he arises in you. Amen. Joy overcomes and causes us to endure. Amen. That that when Jesus endured the cross, despised the shame for the joy that was set before him. And that was us receiving 
him and him receiving us. So he was able to go through the suffering of the cross because he looked ahead to a better day. He looked ahead to a joy that was set before him. And see, now that he's gone to the cross, we have a permanent deposit of joy on the inside. We don't have to put it off for later when the answer comes. We can relish the joy right now, where we are right now. And joy, laughter is a medicine. It heals the body by by lifting the soul. You know how sometimes you can can not feel well. And then you get disturbed by it. You start wondering. I wonder when this is going to get better. I wonder what this is from. I wonder what I did. I wonder what I can do. Blah, blah, blah. Everybody's mind will go through that. Well, when you start to respond in joy, that stuff, wondering, goes away. You don't think about why anymore. You don't think about how it happened anymore. You could care less about that. You start to live in the the thought and the reality that I've already overcome this. Because Jesus has already overcome it for me. See, your faith causes you to overcome everything. The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So when you start to believe God, you'll start to rise up in the fruit of the spirit that he exhibits on his throne. And the Bible says he who sits in the heavens does what? Laughs. He laughs at the devil. He laughs at wickedness because he sees their day coming. We don't see it, but he does. And see, when we can start to get in with him in the joy that he's in and start to laugh at the, the tactics of the enemy, we can see a better day coming. See, we start to look at things the way he looks at it because we have his fruit and his spirit abiding in us so that we know that we know that we know. Amen. Psalm 16.9 says, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. So when your tongue rejoices, it has an effect on your body. It has a positive, secure effect on your body. You're not laughing and joyful because you're trying to cover up how you really feel. Amen. Your joy has taken the place of how you feel. See, you feel joy. You feel rejoicing because you know that God has the answer for you and he's already paid for everything that you need. There's nothing lacking anymore. Amen. In Genesis 17, we see a deposit that God put in Abraham and Sarah. And this is very important because they still had some trials to go through in life. What did I say? Genesis 17. I'm going to figure this little thing out sooner or later. (laughs) Might as well have joy about it. Amen. Genesis 17. Okay. It says here, um, verse 15, God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not, excuse me, call her name Sarai, but Sarah meaning that she's in covenant with God. That's going to be her new name. 
and I will bless her and give you a son also of her. Yes, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. In other words, I'd rather have this fake kid of mine that's causing all this problem than to have to use my faith for something that's beyond me. See, this is stretching Abraham into a land he's never known before. That's why you need joy. Because this life with God will stretch you into a place you've never been before. Amen. And But you know you've got to go through that place in order to get to the next place in God. So he's got to equip you to be able to sustain your life to make it through these difficult things that you have to believe God for. And God says, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son indeed. And just because you laughed, you're going to call his name laugh. Amen. You'll call his name Isaac, which means laughter, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I'm going to bless him and all that, he says in verse 21, but my covenant I will establish in laughter. I will establish this covenant in joy. I will establish my covenant in the overcoming power of joy. Because you need joy to overcome what comes against you. When you think about it, Abraham and Sarah probably were laughed at when they told people she was, when they looked and saw she was expecting, they said, oh, that ain't no baby, Sarah. And they ridiculed, well, they laughed first. So God gave them laughter first as a protection against the negative laughter and ridicule that they would have to endure to get this kid into the earth. Amen. And so God gives you joy as an antidote for evil. He gives you his joy and his laughter as the pure thing that comes against ridicule. When people tell you, you can't get a, a, a miracle. When they tell you, oh, you can't buy that house. Who do you think you are? You you don't have enough money to live in that neighborhood. Amen. You get, God gives you joy because if you don't have it, you'll start believing what people tell you. Even though God's already promised it to you and told you to go and, and fill out the papers and get ready to move in. If the devil can talk you out of it at any juncture, he's willing to do that. So he gives you joy instead of giving you words to argue with people with. Joy is on the highest level that you can do warfare on because you know the devil's under your feet. If you do it on a lower level, you're struggling and you're fighting against him, trying to get him to bow. When you operate in the joy of the Lord, that's the highest fruit of the spirit. It's given to the victor. Amen. So when you have victory, you already rejoice because you know you have the victory. So joy is awarded to us as victors over all the problems that the enemy could ever bring. And see, it's best to abide in his joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. 
rejoice, 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 and rejoice all over again. Why is is the writer telling us to do that? Because that sets up an impenetrable fortress around you where the enemy cannot come in and pull you down to his level. Amen. Because he wants you to fight on his level. He wants you to argue with him and say, well, you you shouldn't do it this way. Oh, no, I, you, no, God told me this, God told me. No, you just laugh at him. You don't owe the devil any explanation. You don't owe his people any kind of explanation. Because they'll grill you to death. They like to put you on the defense. No, God is your defense. Amen. You don't like my laughing about it. Go see God about it. Amen. Because he's the one who's going to do it. He gave it to me in the first place. So God is the one who's running my life. I'm not running anything around here. Amen. I'm just rejoicing in it. So verse 21, God says, my covenant will I establish with laughter, with joy. We have a joy covenant. Amen. One of the symbols of joy is wine. When Jesus served the Last Supper, he established a covenant in joy. He told them, drink all of it. Amen. I don't know how big the cups were in them days, but he said, drink all of it. Amen. It's a time to have merriment and rejoicing. Why? Because I'm going to finally go to the cross and pay for this joy of yours to be permanent. Amen. This joy will heal you forever. This joy you can draw upon to get rid of pain, to get rid of doubt, to get rid of of fear, to get rid of all negative emotions that would try and come against you. And so he said, which Sarah will bear unto you at this set time in the next year. Amen. And then he went and left him in joy. Amen. That was the last thing he left with Abraham and Sarah. So this is how they were able to hold on to their faith for Isaac. They laughed at everything. Amen. They thought, wow, us. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) You got me? Really, God? (sighs) Whoa. Laughter. Huh? They broke out in laughter. Every time the devil tried to torment them about it. Did you, and, and not only that, you know, say like they got relatives that come over. Are you supposed to be pregnant, Sarah? Yeah, not only that, but guess what we named him? Huh? Then they bust out and start laughing. In other words, before you get ready to deposit ridicule on us, try to make us ashamed of our old age, we got the laughter first. Amen? Amen? So God says you've already branded this baby because you laughed when you heard about it. And everybody's going to laugh with you. Amen. When he's born and they see what God can do, they're going to laugh with you. Amen. So so that was how God established his covenant in overcoming. Overcoming what? His body now dead in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Amen. He didn't. He gave no thought to those things. How'd he do it? He remembered God's promise and then he laughed at the end of it. Amen. He said, devil, we got the last laugh because God did not count us out. All the mistakes we made and all the things that we did wrong, we are not counted out. We are still in the game. 
See, God never disqualifies. You will get the last laugh on the devil, and it'll be a healing laughter. Amen? It'll be a laughter that takes you into a different place because God is there with you. So not only does God promise us joy and laughter, but laughter has been seen in the natural world or the natural realm as a medicine for sick people. There's a man, I'm sure you you guys remember that movie, Patch Adams. Well, that man was a real doctor. He is a real doctor. He's still alive. He and his wife and a group of people um, uh, developed a company of physicians, and they're part-time clowns. And they go around to different places, you know, uh, um, uh, mostly ministering to the sick, whether they're children, adults, or whatever, because they believe in the, the medicinal power of joy and laughter. They don't believe it happens any other way. And if they can keep their patients in a continual state of joy or at least responding and, and getting away from from the oppression of their situation with laughter, then they are very pleased. They have a, a 300-acre uh, ranch in West Virginia where they've set up an institute where they have medical students come down and be trained and they're trained and it's, it's, it's regular medicine, but it's also a, what they call holistic. In other words, uh, strict medicine, but also things to add to it. Just like a lot of doctors believe in vitamins, minerals and supplements. Well, they believe in laughter and joy as a supplement to healing for their people and they train medical students in how to operate in this joy. And I think they have a, a team of over a hundred clowns and they're not all doctors, but they dress up as clowns and they go and they perform and they bring laughter and they bring joy uh, into the lives of these people who are sick and hurting. And they have found that people get better faster if they're terminal, they they have a better outlook on their lives after they've ministered to them. So this is something that the natural world sees as a, a tool that they can use. They don't have the joy that we have, but they have the next best thing. See, they have a natural ability to laugh and look at things with joy and, and with gladness. How much time I got? Five minutes? I don't read one more thing. There was a man, a humorist. His name was Art Buckwald. Now, some of you may remember him. You're not really dating yourself if you <laughs> say you remember him, not as much as I am. But he was kind of an interesting man. He was what uh, people refer to as a humorist. H-U-M-O-R-I-S-T. And he um, had, he was well, well known. He had columns in over a thousand daily newspapers. So he was syndicated in this country and in other countries as well. And, and, but he always was able to make a joke and make a laugh. He grew up with a very, very sad, um, upbringing. Uh, he was, um, he's passed away now. He's been dead maybe over 12 years or so. But he grew up and he was an adult during World War II. He actually fought in the war. He never finished school. Uh, he was basically an orphan. 
Um, and he lived a life of rejection. He wasn't loved very much. There was no warm person like a mother in his life or anything like that. But he uh, had an episode when he was uh, close to 80 years old. His kidney stopped working. And uh, he, I think he was diabetic as well. And he had to uh, undergo dialysis and some different things. I think he had a leg amputated or something. But I'm going to read this. This is one of his last writings. He says, Dear reader, I am writing this article from a hospice. But being in a hospice didn't work out exactly the way I wanted it to. By all rights, I should have finished my time here five or six weeks ago. At least that's all Medicare would pay for. What happened was I was riding the elevator at the acute care facility next door when I saw a sign that said there was also a hospice in the building. I arranged a tour and everything looked very good to me. I talked to my doctor, Mike Newman, and he said, it's your choice. You're the only one who can decide what you want to do, which was, I thought, a good answer. And that's when I decided to discontinue dialysis. So he stopped dialysis, which he didn't feel was going to offer him much promise, and he checked into hospice instead. So they didn't do any dialysis. One of the reasons for the decision was that I lost a leg at Georgetown Hospital. I miss my leg, but when they told me I would also have to take dialysis for the rest of my life, I decided too much. Several things happened. My decision coincided with an appearance on Diane Reem's radio talk show. She was over, she has over a million listeners. I talked with her about my decision not to take dialysis. The response was very much in my favor. I had over 150 letters. Most of them said I did the right thing. This, of course, made me feel good. It is one thing to be in hospice. It's another to get on the air and tell everybody about it. When I got to the hospice, I was under the impression that it would be a two- or three-week stay. That was all they gave him. He was only going to live that long. Amen. But here I am still six weeks later. And I've even gotten so well, Medicare won't pay for me anymore. So his kidney started working again once he got over into hospice. He said, now this is what it's like for someone who's in the hospice. I sit in a beautiful living room where I can have anything I want, and I can even send out to McDonald's for milkshakes and hamburgers. Most people who are not in hospice have to watch their diets. They can't believe I can eat anything I want. I have a constant flow of visitors. Many of them have famous names, so much so that my family is impressed with who shows up. I would not be getting the same attention if I were on dialysis. He said, I hold court in the big living room. We sit here for hours talking about the past. And since it's my show, we talk about anything I want. It's a wonderful place to be, and if for some reason somebody forgets to come see me, there's always television and movies on DVD. I keep checking with the nurses and doctors about when I'm supposed to pull out. No one has an answer. One doctor says, it's up to you, and I say, that's a typical doctor's answer. I receive plates and baskets of delicious food, home-cooked meals for my son and daughter-in-law, treats from the deli, and frozen yogurt from Haagen-Dazs. Everybody wants to please me. Food seems to be very important, not only to my guests, but also to me. 
If they bring food, they even get better treatment from me. One day I told a friend I wanted a corned beef sandwich. The next day I got 10 corned beef sandwiches. Also, I have received dozens of flower arrangements, something I would never get if I were on dialysis. I don't know if this is true or not, but I think some people, not many, are starting to wonder why I'm still around. In fact, a few are sending me get well cards. This is in hospice. These are the hard ones to answer. (laughs) So far, things are going my way. I am known in the hospice as the man who wouldn't die. How long they allow me to stay here is another problem. I don't know where I'd go or if people would still want to see me if I wasn't in hospice. But in case you're wondering, I'm having a swell time, the best time of my life. Amen. So this man, and and he did get released. He went home with his son and daughter-in-law, and he wrote a book after this. He lived long enough, and it, the the book is called, I think it's called The Man Who Wouldn't Die. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, in in or not time to die or something like that. But but it's interesting that his attitude of levity and enjoying his life where he was. Think about how many of us get depressed and discouraged because we have one little thing out of joint or somebody we can't conquer them to like us or something foolish like that. And But this man was able to find joy, enough joy, that then they said his kidneys worked for another full year. Amen. Before he passed away and went into arena failure again. So he had accomplished everything that he wanted to do in his life. And in the Bible says with long life, he'll satisfy us. Amen. And show us his salvation. But the joy cure is something we have at our disposal all the time, folks. You can always be joyful. You can always rejoice. You can always laugh at the enemy because he is defeated and under our feet. Amen. Amen. All right. Why don't we do our confession? Amen. I don't have Rona. And she don't have me. I can't get Rona. And she can't get me. And I thank you, Father, that by the stripes of your son, Jesus, I am healed. Amen. Amen. And amen. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen.